everyone, and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. How's it going? And John. Hey, everybody. Nothing says vulnerability like having it printed on the front of a sweatshirt. And that's really the only joke I have because I started looking up mental health puns and it got darker than staring into the abyss. <laughs> Anywho, we've got an entrepreneur that's trying to destigmatize mental health with colorful fashion choices. And I think that's just swell. Will the sharks bite or will they ignore her out of spite? We'll find out after this ad that's sure to delight. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you met at a networking event? HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help. Well, in the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together in one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Also, you can scale support and drive revenue and retention. Visit HubSpot.com slash service so you can do more with your customers today. So today in the tank, we have See the Way I See. Now, See the Way I See is brought to us by founder Sophie. And Sophie's asking for $250,000 for 10% in her business, which is a $2.5 million valuation. See the Way I See is a mental health awareness clothing brand that really emphasizes positive affirmations. And it comes with a line of sweatshirts, t-shirts, even some stickers and keychains that are really just trying to destigmatize mental health by bringing it to the forefront. So thinking about our product, our pitch, and our founder, thoughts on See the Way I See? No one can be against this. <laughs> In and yet, it's so interesting you say that, but okay, go off, queen. <laughs> I mean, look, it's cause-driven kind of in its own way. Sure. It's very tied into the audience that she's reaching out to for millennials and Gen Z. Mm -hmm. We are the known generation for destigmatizing and having more open conversations about mental health, so I see why it's such a success. If you're against this product, you don't have an open heart or an open mind. Okay. Just as a note, you don't have to be against the product to be against the investing in the business. Yes. Just as a note. Yes. True. I think you were right, Ariel. It's really hard to be against this. To add more color to what these sweatshirts look like. They're fun pastels. They've <laughs> got a fun font. Yeah, you know, and they basically say things like overthinker on the front and then down on the bottom of the sleeve. You can do yeah, an it. An affirmation like you got this it's and things amazing. like that. I thought the affirmations were actually personally cooler than the statement of which thing you're struggling with on the chest. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure I'd want to wear one that said anxious around. Right. But the concept of having that reminder. But visually. the concept of the affirmation on the sleeves is like such a powerful idea. And I don't know if she's explored, you know, not saying right on the shirt that they're anxious, but instead just having the affirmation, but whatever. I think it's incredible to destigmatize mental health and to create things that provide affirmations. I think all of us in this world are very fragile. <laughs> it's been a really, <laughs> really hard and strange it's been a tough year. Tough three years. <laughs> three, yeah. four, five, <laughs> six. There's been a lot of things. And I think so. It's like just incredible to see her out there. And what I think is incredible about her business is number one, it is a community led growth model in practice. And mm -hmm. like people talk about community led growth a lot and saying like this idea of like, well, if you can motivate a community around a concept, then you can be a brand that thrives within that community. And she's totally doing that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is she's built a business model that works amazingly well within a community led growth model and reduces a lot of the traditional risk and challenges that come along with running a clothing line. And so this is like absolutely freaking brilliant execution on a really, I think, cool and powerful idea. 
The fact that she built a brand largely utilizing a drop model approach shows that like she has built like at least enough awareness, at least enough favorability for her brand among her audience that she sells out every single time. Sometimes it's really challenging, and especially when you don't have enough footing in the clothing industry or in your audience. What are the economics of the drop model and why do you think that this works particularly for this brand really well? So it's a limited time offer kind of approach. When folks know that there's a sense of time and urgency that they can only get an item within a certain window of time, it instills a bias for action. And a lot of folks are more often to buy at that point in time, knowing that they can't get it again later on. Scarcity and exclusivity are two of the most powerful motivators in the world of marketing. And most brands can't pull off scarcity and exclusivity Mm -hmm. because it can be like limiting in terms of sales. And for her, that's not actually her problem. She is a single one person business owner. And so like, she doesn't actually need to sell sweatshirts every single day Mm -hmm. of the year. Like she actually can do X number of drops a year. Some of the biggest challenges in being someone who wants to sell clothing is it takes a lot of capital to get started, right? And so you're like, okay, I need to basically pay some factory to produce all this stuff. And I really don't know if it's going to sell. And you produce all this different clothing. And if you don't sell it, then it just becomes inventory. Even if you sell, you know, 100 sweatshirts, if you had 100 that you didn't sell, you're like, well, I'm only going to get 50% of my total money here because I didn't sell it. So it really like helps balance out the supply and demand Mm -hmm. challenges and the capital challenges, I think, often associated with being a clothing retailer. I imagine it helps you identify the SKUs too, Mm -hmm. what works the best in a much faster way. So it's also a really effective way to test Mm -hmm. quickly. And the fact that this is a community-led growth model, which means there's like a really passionate community in here. I bet she's getting a ton of ideas sourced from the community. People saying like, I would love it if you produce this or like, when are you going to produce a shirt like this? And you're like, okay, so I've already got some pent up demand in this scarcity model. I think one of the things that brands really struggle with is like they want to do community-led growth, but you can't do community-led growth unless your brand or your business is part of a bigger movement. Community-led growth can only happen through a community of practice or a community of belief, people who believe a certain thing. And I think what's pretty amazing about her having a product that basically destigmatizes mental health is that it creates a situation where anybody who's interested in destigmatizing mental health or just talking about their challenges can be part of that community. Mm -hmm. It's really hard for many brands to find a passionate community and be able to foster it and grow it. And I don't think she has that problem. That combined with the drop model is like absolutely brilliant to me. So the product isn't cheap. And that's where I see potential disruption. 75 bucks for a sweatshirt. It's or like 60 for a crew neck, right? Like I do think that that could be an issue. But communities that are passionate about a cause are willing to pay. This is the thing about community-led growth and getting people aligned around a shared set of beliefs is it increases willingness to pay as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, H&M could come in and do it. It could hurt her a little bit. I think her community will stay really true to her and loyal to her is kind of my take on that. Yeah. And if she's receiving feedback, too, from her community on like future iterations, Mm. that definitely keeps them like more engaged. If H&M did a drop on it, they would all be like, boycott (laughs) H&M, like don't buy from there anymore (laughs) because they'd be like, you're trying to put our person out of business. Sure, sure, sure. That's why communities are incredible. For sure. And I mean, the community is doing the talking with its purses, for lack of a better word, because as of like the Shark Tank pitch, she had made $2.3 million in total sales. People are purchasing from these drops. At 24, good for her. At 24, I know. She's killing it. I was thinking about the drop model a little bit and it's like so synonymous now with sneakers and synonymous with like influencers. And I was like, is that where it like started? And then I was like, wait a minute. I think like the original drop was the McRib. (laughs) Remember like McDonald's used to do a McRib drop every year? People got so excited. Back in the 80s, they'd be like, McRib is back. 
back. They like wouldn't announce yeah. it, and people would freak out and word of mouth, and then it would just disappear. There was no more McRib. Was that the first drop moment? I think it might have been the original drop. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so this was an interesting episode because while the sharks were super impressed with the entrepreneur, none of the sharks actually wanted to invest in her, but it was like a really good thing. Mm-hmm. All of the sharks were basically like, we know you're going to figure this out because you've already made it this far. So while there were no actual Shark Tank deals for See the Way I See, it was actually the biggest compliment they could pay her because they were like, we're not going to take your money. You're going to figure out this business and continue to grow. And we love that for you because you've already done so much at 24. So it was like the best no deal feeling I feel like I've ever seen in a Shark Tank episode. I feel like she still could have used some capital for inventory instead of just taking her profits. Yeah. Like, I still think there are some areas where a shark could have helped, but yeah. ultimate compliment. I mean, I think on something like this, one of the things that is challenging is once she takes money, then she has to make a set of choices that could actually destroy the foundations of the brand. As soon as you take money and you now have promised somebody that you're going to get a return on that investment that they gave you, like suddenly you're like, well, I need to go from 10 drops a year to 20 drops a year. Actually, I need 30 drops a year. That's the only way I'm going to get there. And then all of a sudden your product quality drops off. I think the thing that's amazing about her product and her model is that she's so low cost being just a single person Mm -hmm. that she doesn't need to sell that much to be extraordinarily successful, like and make life-changing money. I think that's just so cool for her. It's very empowering. And like introducing outside capital actually forces her in a direction that could really ruin the things that make it such a well-loved brand and ruin all of its original success. You can't sell out if you're going to take that investment. <laughs> I've always wanted to sell out. <laughs> Johnny, sell out. Johnny, <laughs> sell out. <laughs> no. Wouldn't that be great to sell out? Just make your money and go. Uh, yes. Retiring at 40 is still a dream somewhere. You know? <laughs> well, ultimately, this entrepreneur didn't sell out, John. But That's a good thing because her business continues to thrive. She's also added new items to her shop and to her drops. So she has new accessories, including keychains, phone cases, tote bags, stationery, and more. So this is definitely not the last we've heard of See the Way I See or this entrepreneur, Sophie, who continues to drive business growth. I'm ready to go shopping. Like I, after oh. this episode, I don't know. Like I'm really inspired. You were like, I am getting my pastels. Maybe we cut this out from the podcast. <laughs> but like this episode's got me really excited about some of the products. I'm like jazzed Ariel's up. Ariel's going shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Today's episode was brought to you by the magnanimous Matthew Brown. Editing comes from Robert Hartwig and support from Melanie Romero. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, or wherever you subscribe to the greatest podcasts ever. That does it for me. See you next episode in the tank with another bite. Create Like the Greats, hosted by Ross Simmons, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Each episode hosts an in-depth analysis of some of the greatest creations and creators of all time along with deep dive conversations on the creative process that went into building companies and brands. If you like learning about history or learning about the creative process, you'll like this podcast. Listen to Create Like the Greats wherever you get your podcasts.